0: do you not want me to do the intro are we are we in the show now or so when we like started this podcast i never thought like it would turn into something that would like like literally save my life but <laughs> three good friends uh, on one day a week and one day a week trent and i were going to have a conversation and i was like thank god oh my god cat's back in my it life her.
1: it was a magical moment with your little knees and my
0: little hips um, but what this has meant to me um, has been amazing. Are you quitting? But it's
1: been awesome. I think
0: about you guys every single yeah, day. Yeah, I w-
1: would love to watch a Serbian film. That sounds so fun. But what
0: I want to say is like, I'm proud of being a part of the show. And I'm <laughs> proud uh, to have you as friends. And, and I want to thank you guys for being my friend. And letting me be a part of
1: this. Let me finish my thought for a fucking second. It was nice. Was. Especially like you know during quarantine like three weeks in all of a sudden I had literally nothing to do to occupy my brain except for this podcast and so i want gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> I'm semi-thankful that Trent is so mean to me. These guys are bonding individually. Trent do you have anything uh, to add? Yeah I just want to um,
2: tell you guys that you are all making me sick right now. <laughs> guys here's to 100 Cheers. cheers i love you guys
1: cheers thank you (laughs)
2: Welcome to Speak All (laughs) Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kat, Kevin, and Dave. Hello. Hello. Yeah, hi. Hi. It's our 100th episode. Kind of hard to believe. Do you guys ever think about like 100 episodes? That's so many, I can't imagine what we
0: did for 100 episodes. 100 of anything is a lot.
1: I didn't think we'd make it this far. I didn't think people would keep listening to us, to be honest.
0: I didn't think we would keep listening to us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This would be my third longest relationship.
2: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Oh, technically me too, Well, unless you count bands, actually, it would, but still. Well. So we have, like, kind of a couple kind of tortured associations this week for movies since it's our 100th episode, and this year... 2022 is the 100th anniversary of the original Nosferatu from 1922 we thought we would talk a little bit about the real dawn of horror directed by F.W. Murnau uh, who actually I didn't know if you guys saw this but he did a movie a Jekyll and Hyde movie a couple years before Nosferatu so I was thinking this would have been his first foray into horror as we know it, but Mar-no. it was
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> We talked about the Herzog remake from 79, not that long ago. So I actually, I watched the original Nosferatu before I watched the remake. And I had seen it even before that, like not that long ago because it's on shutter right now. And I've never seen a silent movie in my entire life until Nosferatu came to shutter I don't want to see a silent movie. Usually like when I think of silent movies, I think of like Charlie Chaplin guys spraying each other with seltzer. Like, what do you, how do you have a movie (laughs) where there's no, you know, talking or no sound? It seems weird to me. Now I realize that when you have a silent movie, there's lots of like title cards. There's lots of like narrative cards and there's dialogue cards. It's almost like subtitles. So you still have dialogue and you still have story and all that. It's just not coming from the, the actors themselves. And I really loved the way the performances have to be so exaggerated. The mm-hmm. facial expressions, the body language. I loved a lot of that stuff in this. So I would say if you ever want to see one silent movie in your life, I would make it Nosferatu.
1: This is always a fun one uh, for me to revisit because being a horror fan now, it's obviously a little slow. Slow going because it's you know silent film. So I feel like we're not really used to that. Um, but it's such a you know an influencing piece of work, not only for horror films but just kind of films in general, uh, being one of the one of the early ones that really uh, made its mark. Um, it's silent, so um, only appropriate that the soundtrack slaps. <laughs> it <Loves>. does. It <laughs> does. The soundtrack does. Slap. Um, there's a lot of heavy organ playing um, when the film starts it's a little aggressive but it's effective because it pulls you back into the story with like it's intensity Um, there were definitely moments I did watch this on the plane uh, there were definitely moments when I would find myself getting distracted and like want you know wandering my eyes around and kind of like dozing in and out but then that organ would come in and just kind of like snap me back so I was like okay it's it's doing a good job at that for sure And then it kind of starts to get a little orchestral, which is fun. Um, It kind of glides into that organ still comes in. But anyway, soundtrack was great.
0: Yeah, you have to really watch this movie in in 2022, 100 years later, as like a real horror fan. Otherwise, this is boring and really hard to get through. Oh no! I'm just speaking like through. I'm I'm just warning like maybe some younger new horror fans.
3: I I don't consider myself that, and I was zed out. Well, (laughs) it's a
0: true movie achievement in terms of like what Murnau or Murnau, Mm -hmm. however you're going to pronounce it, um, (laughs) in, in what he created. But not just him. The actors, like you said, like really exaggerated performances. Um, I love, like we're watching it now, like I love the difference. It's a silent movie, but there's a lot of reading involved, but they use a lot of different fonts. And some of them are like 1922, what you could do like, you know, for like an actual font of what most of our listeners are going to be thinking of. And then some of them are like handwritten notes that they're filming, which is cool. And then some of the cinematography and the use of like shadows and... Uh, Murnau had this great way of like he like I never noticed this before there's so many doorway scenes in this movie where he's using like doorways to do suspense and like last week we talked about like scream and you know slashers and like some like the tropes that came about and I think it came from like a movie like this where they're like you can build suspense just from like a single frame. And obviously, as technology and, and film, you know, moves along, you know, you can have these long winding shots where there's like the fridge opening and you, you're framing these things. But like Murnau did in Nosferatu really well with like very little technology. I think he made like a, a truly scary movie. Um, I, I, do, I, I do agree with Kat. Like the score is unbelievable. Uh, done by Han Erdman. <laughs> Um, and the cinematography was done by Fritz Arno Wagner and uh, Gunther Krumpf. And if you look both of them up, like they're credited with, they have a ton of movies to their name, but they're both credited with being very early people that learned how to frame horror.
3: I like this. It was a little bit of a snooze fest. I mean, I tried my best. Um, I have a hard time with the movies that like predate. Like even the 70s, um, just because of my attention span, because of uh, technology and everything that's influenced my brain. But it's the scariest version of of a vampire that I've ever seen, um, and to this day. And the imagery in it, uh, it like I had mentioned, um, the Death King, that it was like it was like watching, you know, art. It's very, like, primitive in its style and its execution, but it it does pull it off, and, it, and it's only because I have, you know, an iPhone and a iPad and, a, a, like, 10 computers and synthesizers that I can't pay attention to it, and I understand that, and I'm trying to get back to that sort of watching and yeah. the sort of, you know, like, but I'm not there yet, to be honest, um, so... It was a little boring for me, and I, I will give this the award for the worst werewolf oh. of all time. <laughs> it's the worst werewolf of all time. It's just a hyena, and apparently in 1922, nobody knew what a hyena was. Not in Germany. They didn't have the internet, so like, he could pull this shit off. But for me, definitely number one worst werewolf <laughs> of all time in Nosferatu. I was going to say it's one of my
2: favorite cameos that we've ever seen. When you a have hyena? South African hyena as werewolf, <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant stretch.
0: I wonder we get paid Is he in the credits or she.
2: <laughs> Kat, you mentioned the uh, soundtrack, and that was one of my favorite things about this. I felt like watching this. And I also, Dave, like I've been trying to really do my best because I'm as bad as anyone. When I'm watching a movie, especially like this, I've been really I try to like lean into it and like I am not gonna get a message that matters in the next I have 85 minutes i do not need to look at anything if somebody texts me whatever it is uh tweets at me i can just do that later i really want to watch this movie and i and i thought one of the things that helped with this was that soundtrack it was almost like uh literal theater like where you go to a play and there's a you know Mm -hmm. there's an orchestra in the pit the pit and yeah and they're doing the soundtrack and then like between acts between like set changeovers or whatever you get a nice song from the orchestra that kind of like helped keep me in it.
0: It made me feel like I was watching and listening to like a phantomas album or like a Mr. Bungle album. It felt very like punk rock, like avant-garde to me. Uh, it was, and it was sure. very disjointed because of like like I said all the title cards and the reading you had to do like this is subtitles before you know, you can be on a, a, a fucking Zoom call at work now and pull subtitles up, and the technology will translate what people are saying. And it's not like they're like the chapters and things like that. Like it's like you're watching a silent film in black and white, and people are doing acting things, and then it's broken. It's constantly disjointed, almost like you're getting to like the next song on uh, like a very avant-garde album.
1: I thought the uh the characters were a lot more creepy in this episode in, in this version, yes. I guess. And I think it's from that overacting, like everyone's yeah, like yeah. trying to be like <laughs> I'm the bad guy, so I'm creepy, you know, like Renfield, <laughs> right. um like right away I was like, "Ooh, he was like I felt like he was more like conniving and like maybe smarter in this one, but also or, or like a, a little less loopy than like the past ones or the ones that came He after. seemed evil from the start. Yeah, and like I feel like the other ones were kind of dopey, you know, like yeah, obviously yeah, I'm yeah. still Team Tom Waits is my Renfield hashtag, not my Renfield. Yeah, his name is Nock
2: um, in this one. It's kind of a comic. of yeah. the yeah. names are hilarious But I just yeah,
1: I just yeah, kind of referred to him as that. Yeah, from, he's the Renfield you kid. Know, yeah. Um but yeah, everyone just kind of was overacting, and so it made it more comical, which was funny because it Just trying to, like, put yourself in the shoes of people who had seen it when it came out. Like, they'd never fucking seen anything like this. Like, maybe they had seen the Jekyll and Hyde, you know, that he did before. But I feel like this was, like, the first time, like, just the iconic creepy you know shadows that we mentioned just like those elongated fingers just yeah like, I, was I love like, that oh who put my hands on the on the on <laughs> the look film like i fingers. love it <laughs> yeah um so it was just like a super effective you know combination and it made it more enjoyable i absolutely still prefer this one to
3: stupid coppola's again i really, I really wow. do i don't know why i wow. just
1: it's the keanu i think he just pulls me out
3: <laughs> i would argue that this is the original uh like indie horror because the Germans lost World War I, and German uh, expressionist stuff started coming up, and that extended to art and music and anything, film. Uh, it was just like uh, a movement based on concentrating on the feeling of something rather than uh, having like tons of props and tons of effects. You work more within the actors uh, because of the budgets. They didn't have the budgets to do these crazy sets. So they, you know, uh started creating art out of the bare minimum that they could and they they tapped into their their feeling for that, which I think was amazing. It was amazing for lots of stuff. You also have like uh questionably some
2: like anti Semitic tropes going on in this with the the person from away, the other coming into Germany with the rat-like features and being compared to rodent and stuff like that. Uh, if you look at the way Nosferatu is depicted in this movie physically and metaphorically as being the outside plague, the pestilence coming in, mm-hmm. you can start to ask some questions about like some of
0: those parallels. I think a lot of like what you were just commenting on comes from the original Dracula novel. So we should like clarify this is a 1922 movie that's a complete ripoff of Dracula because right. Murnau could not get the rights from Stoker's estate.
3: And it was destroyed.
0: Yeah. And they got sued. Uh, they tried to bring all these characters. Like like in this one, Nosferatu uh, or, or or Dracula is called Count Orlok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and you have everybody, like uh, you have the Hutters, which are the Harkers. <laughs> you have Knock, which is Renfield. Oh which I, okay, the Hutters, I didn't know if it was Hooter.
2: <laughs> yeah, it could it might be, be. It could might
0: be. be I didn't I didn't see uh, the accent accentgue. <laughs> the Hooters. Uh, you have Ruth, which is Lucy, you have Professor Bulwer, which is Van Helsing. Um, all of that aside, I think some of the other things that were coming out of the interpretation of this film, which you said were, like could be anti-Semitic. I think that is really derivative from the original Stoker novel, which is how if you like sure, if you read sure. a lot of like real like analyses of Dracula, that could come off like pretty racist. Yeah, I I don't
2: know that it was intentional. I don't think this
0: one was because here's it, the thing it, about I mean it not. just
2: it, it is an obvious question because of like what Dave was talking about, their recent history and the future. History right, of but
0: here's the thing about Murnau is, which I think could like further the conversation is he was gay, right, open, openly, 1922, yeah. not not a normal thing. He also had a ton of Jewish friends, right. So I think that some of the interpretation of this is is he was just interpreting, he was trying to make a movie about Bram Stoker's Dracula, didn't have the rights, and was like trying to like skirt around everything, um, right, and so changed I, names subtly. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if he was
2: openly gay or not. We know it now. I shouldn't say that he was open at the time. I don't know that. There's a lot of different cuts of this floating around out there, too. It's on Shutter right now. It's been on Shutter for a while. So that's the one that we all watched. But there are various cuts floating around. There's stuff on YouTube. I mean, this has entered the public domain formally, I think, in 2019 or 2017. But it's been treated like that. All along, so there's lots of ways to see Nosferatu and you'll see different things. I actually almost tried I did try watching the typo negative version. You guys aware of that? No. No. You know the band typo negative? Yeah. Yes. They there's a version of the movie Nosferatu, the whole soundtrack is typo negative. They did some sort of they did a score to it. So I was like, oh, I should try that because I've seen it a couple times, you know, and, and that might be fun to watch their score of it. And that, that only lasted like four minutes, maybe. It sounds like, terrible. God, yeah, it, was, <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> not good, not good. <laughs> give it me sounds, the orchestra, please. <laughs> it
1: sounds interesting. It sounds like it, it could it be interesting. Yeah,
2: it sounds more interesting than it is. You're just like, I'm trying to watch a movie and Typo Negative is playing. What's going on? Uh, give me the orchestra pit uh, so that didn't last. But um, Kat, you mentioned like the, the overacting. My favorite part of that was when Ellen is having her spell when she first uh, is realizing that something's amiss and she's... Kind of like she knows that something's happening with uh, Hutter uh, and and the vampire. And she gets out of bed in the middle of the night. And she the whole time, whenever she does that, she walks almost on her tiptoes. I don't know if you guys noticed. Yeah. On the very front of her feet. And she goes out to the balcony and she's walking on the railing. It's all on the front of her feet, almost as though she's being kind of like lifted up. Like she's almost like floating. Like all those little subtle things that you have to do when you can't. Make any noise. Thought was
3: really, really cool. I like the frame blending uh, when Nosferatu uh, Orlock was like going through a wall, or he was like yeah, he oh, had yeah. some
1: like yeah.
0: two frames at the same time. Like he just going is like
1: it's like a little mist. Just shows he's like he did. It's very cute.
0: I thought it was very interesting that much like when we talked about Silence of the Lambs and how like what Anthony Hopkins. You can go back and listen to our episode where we talked about that movie. He won an Oscar Award for something like 19 minutes on screen. Fact check me if you want. I didn't watch the movie and time it, but Nosferatu or Count Orlock is in this movie for a total of nine minutes. And
3: and did not know that. He blinks once. One time. (gasps) I was I was saying
2: that no one blinked in this movie. He looks amazing. He I was so startled when I saw a picture of the actor of Max Shrek. I was like, whoa, he's not bald with pointy ears. Like he
1: inhabits his, Handsome he looks guy. So,
2: it's kind of convincing now. Yeah, he was just yeah. a regular looking guy.
1: Yeah, and in the uh, in Herzog's remake, like, I don't know, that maybe because they could use dialogue and all that stuff, but like that he seemed like a more gentler. Nosferatu.
3: He, yes. You know what I mean? Like he yes. kinda had like this that dopey cold. eye, like the eyebrows. That, like,
1: oh my love.
3: <laughs> oh, you're, like, still, I, you're still you know? hung up on him, aren't I you? Am, you still I am. I am. It's been I'm still in love
1: <laughs> But so it was just a very stark uh difference, you know, between like this guy who's just like piercing your soul with his pointy little eyeballs. I kind of thought he was like
2: the Larry David Nosferatu in some ways. Uh, oh, one
0: of the biggest things is that we can't we can't not talk about this. Again, fact check me, but everything I read, one of the things that Murnau tried to do is this is the first instance of a vampire being decimated by sun.
2: Yes, that was not so well, right. He tried. Right.
0: He, he wanted to deviate a little bit from the Dracula book, and well, that's in big. the Dracula book, he's only weakened by sunlight. He's right. not immediately killed. Right. and so Murnau tried to change like, one of the things he tried to change was you know and we talked about this in uh Nosferatu the vampire
3: but we could uh, talk about this in 250 movies because if he started that
0: yeah like right
3: that's so, so that's one of so 2050 like, billion movies we yeah, think of yeah, it as being automatic
0: like, death because of this right right uh, and how many movies have we already talked about and we've seen where, you know, I like, think about like from dusk till dawn, they're near shooting dark. holes through the near dark. They're like driving around with like their windows covered up and they have the blankets over themselves. Um, also, he doesn't turn anyone
2: into a vampire in this.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I understand that because the mosquito bite, whatever he thinks it is. He doesn't turn not... him
2: into a vampire. He just feeds on him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. But then he he,
3: he doesn't transform. That's. That that's much better. That's much more realistic because everyone, if you could be a vampire, would be like, "Yo, I heard your cousin's a vampire. Yo, hook me up." Everyone would want to be a vampire.
2: Well, we, you we talked live about forever? that
3: in um, Near
2: Dark. I know because they kind of pick and choose their victims. Like some, they might just feed on. Yeah, they're pissed it, because it he, he turns plot that hole guy in every yeah. vampire in some, movie. Right, and some they might let live if they lived. They transformed into a vampire, almost like a zombie kind of principle. But if they killed them, then they died. So. This this was this was a non-transforming. Bite. Yeah,
1: but what? So, did anyone read Dracula? Has anyone read like Bram Stokers? I
3: don't think I've ever. Dude, do, do, do not put yeah. us on oh, blast. Did I, I had asking.
0: to. I had to read it in I high school. Um, yes, um, because one of my favorite assignments in my entire education was I had to read Dracula in high school and then write a gothic tale.
1: Well, I was just wondering because Herzog made you know when he redid it, like he made it so Jonathan like was the new. Nosferatu. So I'm just wondering if he pulled that from oh, the book. Right. Or if he just was right. like, fuck it. And yes. made his own little vampire that's thing. That's the
2: major difference in yeah. the Herzog remake is the ending.
1: Because that's what I was waiting for. Because I haven't seen Nosferatu since high school. You know what I mean? Like, I've watched yeah. it like a few times, but I haven't seen it in a very long time. So I was waiting for that. I was like, oh, I bet this hat." And I was like, oh, no. It's just. They're good. They're good to go. They're done. Yeah. They vanquished I forgot about the beast. That. Right,
2: yeah. right. Because I, th- I was thinking the Herzog remake is very close to this, but that.
0: It's a major similar. difference. You yeah. know, it's definitely
1: like the same outline.
0: The rats outline. are like the biggest. The, the rats are the big one.
3: Oh, we're going to get some rats later. <sighs> I thought this mm. could have been Rat
2: Week. Yeah. I really loved that. You know, we talked about like all the narrative title cards in this and all the dialogue title cards. This movie really, if you have more, you know, qualms about watching the silent movie and having to read and stuff, um, it gives you a lot of time. The, when, when a title card is up there, a narrative card, you have so much time. You can
0: read it, read it again, read oh, yeah. it a third like, time. Oh yeah, people in nineteen twenty two read very slow. That's
1: what I was thinking. I,
0: no offense, sorry. They were. A little... They read very very slow. I literally like like Dave said. We have screens in front of us if all day. We that we're watching well, movies. Why you, did you guys they read have made slow? Fun of me, like I could be mowing my lawn. I could or, have gone. A title card in this movie could have come up. I could have gone and mowed my lawn.
3: Maybe like subtitles, you just put it over the image. The bottom could people not handle this in 1922?
2: No, they could. No, I just don't think they could do that. No, I just don't think they could do that. I don't think the technology was there. If like everyone was straight maga back then, right? I don't think that people (laughs) read slower in 1922. I just think that they couldn't.
1: (laughs) I think it's a fact that people in
2: 1922 were slow. Only hundred years ago, a little bit. I mean, they wrote the Bible way before that. So no, I'm with Kat. Kat. Some <laughs> you,
3: reading you can conference. fat check me. <laughs> he wrote the Bible <laughs> way before that. God.
0: So one interesting thing for contemporary purposes is Robert Eggers of The Witch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his muse, Anya Taylor-Joy, who's mm-hmm. a fantastic actress. Also going to be in The Northman coming up. Yep. As of August of last year, they're still talking about Robert Eggers having oh, is a, that still on the having a remake of Nosferatu. He wants okay. to put his spin on it. All um, right. And we've been talking a lot about folk horror. I, I would, I personally would lo- love to see Robert mm-hmm. Eggers take on <laughs> yeah. Nosferatu. I did,
1: I, yeah. I did, uh, did make some, a little...
0: Oh, I'm sorry. No, some but, of the speculation is that like Anya Taylor-Joy could actually be our those, titular character. Those
1: bug eyes just staring at yes. you. Yeah. Um, I did, Eyebrows. I did kind of think I don't really want to see this story. Like, I was like, okay, I'm going to take some time. I've watched like all three of them Again, in like the past year. But <laughs> I would, a bit much. I would go, I would, I'd it's be classic. down for a ro- It's Robert a classic Hager's. story. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's like, um, you know, fade away or something. The rock song, like but, you know, it's it's for
3: advanced viewing only. <laughs> like I mean, really is it's a. I mean, it's not like Mustang Sally. It is not good out <laughs> easy. <laughs> it's, this is Come a. Come on, uh, dude. <laughs> it's at I every mean, wedding.
2: Come let's on. be real.
3: Like this is a, a high art sort of like test of endurance. At some point, I mean, I liked it. I appreciated it. I. I think that it it started so many things and it set off so many things, but it's hard to watch now. It's not an easy. I
2: thought watch. It, I thought it was fun. I didn't mind watching. I think you can kick back, shut off the lights, forget your phone, and Spooky.
0: you can watch this, and it's fun. And I I still think that it's better than like like the, widow's peak, yeah, Dracula movie, yeah. like yeah. sexy Dracula movies that, that we a, got after. that. I think
3: there's been a lot of low points of Dracula since this. For sure. But it's enduring. Bunnicula would be the lowest. but uh, Bunnicula. <laughs> uh, uh, Dude, that was the first book I John ever
0: read. Carpenter's Vampires, uh, Vampires, John Carpenter's Vampires. And then Vampires. Not the word. John Carpenter's Vampires 2 starring Helen There's a lot of low points. Yeah. But there's a reason that this story keeps being told. It will, it will go on forever.
3: It's hard to not compare a movie from 1922 to a movie from... 2022, it is. You know what I mean? It's hard to just watch it the same. Yeah, because yeah. you're used to watching things. Uh, things stimulate people differently, and they they move quicker. So you have to really like slow down your whole fucking heartbeat. Yes, to watch you do. this, and if you don't, then you don't get the same experience. But it's hard to. It's kind of amazing. I mean, a hundred years
2: isn't that long. Like this movie, people were people it's are alive today who were alive when this movie came
0: out. Mm-hmm. That's so wild. Here's my challenge: watch this movie and then go and try and recreate it with today's technology, you couldn't.
2: Mm, Interesting. Speaking Mm. of of that, like the lighting in this, I feel like is something we've talked about with other low-budget movies. Um, It's always, it's hard to tell when it's night and day. It's kind of tricky. And I think in this movie, one thing that really helps is if you understand that every scene in this movie is nighttime unless it's explicitly... Shown as day where they use like a yellow tint mm-hmm. to the film, like the sun. Unless it's really showing you that day, the morning. Like when they're on the, the, the ship, when Nosferatu takes yeah. the ship, it just is in the middle of the day. But you have to understand that
3: that scene. There's a pink sepia in the morning when they yeah, first wake yeah. up, yes. and then it's
0: yellow around noon, and then
3: it's black and white
0: after that. Well, it's <laughs> like it's like music. Like we're we're now we now have like we can make music at our fingertips but we can't make it sound like it was on analog anymore with music or or with movies rather. Like look at how many, like the new Texas chainsaw massacre that's coming out, like on Netflix uh, in a week, a couple weeks. Like they're like, how can they re like everyone wants to recreate the look of the original TCM. You can't, Unless you go back and find That's those true. cameras and find that stuff, so I think one of the really great achievements of Nosferatu is is watch it and feel and like appreciate what they were dealing with, what they had for technology, and then if you want to shit on it, go ahead and try to recreate it now.
3: Yeah, you you forget about that because when you watch this, uh, it's almost close to modern, in, as far as like what it looks like. You know, what I mean, it, it looks like someone took something new and made it old. Even the actors and stuff looked like contemporary actors. It's really strange. Um, I don't know. So like there's, there's something to be said for that. And I think there's a lot I take for granted when watching Nosferatu and watching movies from 1922. I dug into some, there's a, a lot of really cool horror movies came out in 1922, uh, the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, um, and Haxon, which uh, is which in what language? Oh, that was on
0: HBO forever.
3: Haxon is cool. is more like a documentary-style thing, uh, but it's a super full core. Um, but uh, like a lot of horror, I feel like this was a huge year for horror movies. That that was a classic scene right there, where he like rose up. From Nosferatu coffin. rises up as like <laughs> just like
2: a plank out of the coffin I, I have a question i was going to ask you guys that Core I, strength right there. I was going to try to find Big out apps, the answer pack. but i forgot to find out who was telling the story Who is the narrator do you guys know who the narrator of the story is because he refers or they refer to themselves in the narration it's like i was told this and i
0: thought it was thomas
2: uh it's not huther i now, thought it was huther no because he talks about like i was told of the he's telling the story that he heard I thought
1: oh I figured it was just some omnipotent being just I telling the maybe story
2: it's maybe it's knock it's there's somebody is telling the is giving the narration and they refer to themselves like it was the scariest thing I heard when I heard you know I'll, I'll have to look into
3: it the
0: movie does say cock a lot it
1: does. What was it? The morning? What is it? Yeah, the, the Crow,
3: morning, Crowing I, cock? I had to pause that and look at it and be like really immature for a second. <laughs> I really
1: liked
2: the translation because, of course, we're watching all the words that we see, all the narration like we're looking at right now. It's all a translation. Um, and I really appreciated how simple the language is in the translation. Like, it doesn't have a lot of like old timey English. Well, like, they do add an
3: e or um, e Yeah, at but it's points. it's
2: minimal. Like, you don't have like the reverse conjugation and stuff like that. You know, like it's very straightforward. I liked like uh, the directness of like he suckles himself on the hellish elixir of their blood. You know, that Ooh. that's something. It's not like Shakespeare. It's very direct. Do language. you remember yeah.
3: ye old pancake shop?
2: Yeah, like that's what I'm talking about. Like, uh, <laughs> speaking of Robert Eggers, uh, The Witch, remember, like, trying to understand what people oh are God. saying in yeah. The Witch? Oh, yeah. So confusing. I appreciated that this translation doesn't have that kind of old English. Yes. That's true. Uh, Kevin, did you read about The Metronome? No. Morneau, supposedly, because of their uh, film limitations, they only had so much film and they only had so much time and they're dealing with daylight and all these things. Uh, allegedly, at points, Morneau would use a metronome. To pace the actress performances, so when they would start the scene, they would have the they would have a beat going. Yeah, no That's pressure at like all.
0: Phrasing,
3: though. No. Yeah, That's and you great.
2: can you can see it in the movie that they're like they're moving to a beat, and I think that lends to the you know the the emotive, the physically emotive aspect
3: of it. Yeah, interesting.
1: Very much a staged situation. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: Again, you're kind of like at the literal theater.
1: Yeah.
0: No, the only uh, like like deep dive I did was uh, the ship that. Count Orlock comes I off I
2: love on. the whole ship stuff that, All that um, stuff is great
0: It's called the Impusa That's the name of the ship And in Greek mythology Impusa is a type of Shape-shifting phantom mm. Always feminine yes. And preying on young men And seducing them Basically for food Sounds like someone I know <laughs>
1: Oh Trent And so you. Like that sort
0: of <laughs> delved back Into like Myrno being Being gay and maybeing like more inclusive, uh, and and diverse, yeah. Uh, so I thought that that was like a nice touch. Uh, I missed the metronome thing. I'm sad about that. But uh, you
2: guys ever seen Shadow of the Vampire? Yes. Willem yes. Defoe. Uh, yeah Yeah. And want, uh, John I Malkovich.
0: Wanted, I wanted to end with that. I literally like. It's not like,
2: online right now. But there's a great movie with Malkovich and Willem Dafoe from mid aughts. I think 2006 ish. Like I right on say... 2000. Is it right on two thousand where uh, it's a fictionalized version of the making of this version of Nosferatu, where Max Schreck is maybe a real vampire in real yeah, life?
0: It's hilarious. It's so right? funny.
2: I, I love that movie. I'm disappointed that it's not available right now. But
0: like most John Malkovich movies, it's dry. Yeah, uh, yeah, you've got to really dig into like the humor they're doing. But it, it, it is really, really great. Oh,
2: speaking of the ship, Kevin, I wanted to ask you one of my favorite parts of the whole ship scene, because uh, Orlok loads himself. Once again, I thought it was sad to see a legendary count like Orlok loading his own gear. Uh, you know, he has it carrying the coffins around <laughs> through the streets. Not the lead singer. Um, but when he's on the ship, after he he docks and they find the empty ship with all the dead guys, they're reading the captain's log to find out what, what happened. And it's so spooky when they're reading all the, the journal entries uh, of everyone dying. It reminded me of Jerusalem's Lot. Have you ever read Jer- Jerusalem's Lot? The King? Yeah, the short story. Yeah, of course. The, it, it's the first story in Night Shift. Yeah. It, it's kind of like it, it, it crosses over with Salem's Lot, but it's just a series of letters from a guy who just moved into this new house in Salem's lot and that's the first story uh, in
0: the short story collection I didn't pick up I didn't pick up on that
2: I I thought it was very similar where you're just getting the the journal entries of the people who dealt with Nosferatu
0: well again like this is I mean King might have king awesome. probably took that from this
2: yeah that's what i was thinking
0: uh but it, but but it comes up in so many like captain's log
2: yeah you know yeah, think that's about t- like
0: <laughs> event horizon like yeah, yeah think about how many movies we've seen where it's like Star oh we Trek. found the captain's log mm-hmm. leviathan like
3: uh, so many movies leviathan i think it's leviathan
0: we've met you we've we've gone over this i'm not trying to that, like, shame anyone the but the it's
3: leviathan
2: <laughs> leviathan <laughs> Dave was talking about doing a supercut of all our
0: mispronunciations <laughs> over oh over a hundred episodes. It's gonna be harpingature
1: a thousand <laughs> fucking times. Us
0: saying things wrong over one hundred episodes. It would take yeah, more than luck. one minute. Good I could luck. Tell you
3: that.
2: Hello, Speak All Evil listener. A little production note ahead of this next segment. We experienced a serious technical malfunction during the recording of the following segment here. So there's been quite a bit of salvage surgery on what you're about to hear. Um, It is abbreviated and you may notice uh, some strange things happening during the conversation That is all um, a result of the corrections that had to be made so that we could salvage any of this uh, next segment. So um, my apologies, and uh, we did the best we could to at least give you some of it. Our next film this week, while we are discussing things that vaguely have to do with the number 100, (laughs) we talked about Nosferatu from 1922. (laughs) Now we're going to talk about the movie called 1922. Whoa. Whoa! Well, that's a hundred years ago.
1: Oh, you do- what? Oh, it, would you, would you look at that? What's wow! A
2: hundred have to do with anything. It's our hundredth episode.
1: Whoa! Oh, so we're good for us. Look at us. <laughs>
2: so the movie takes place the same year that Nosferatu was released.
1: Do you think the characters in this film watched Nosferatu?
2: I don't think so. I it. <laughs> Nosferatu yeah, was weird. originally um, a small release. I think it was just in Germany. So I don't think they would have seen that in this movie. This is uh, available only on Netflix right now. Can't see it anywhere else. This is a Stephen King adaptation from the uh, short story or novella collection called Full Dark, No Stars. The first story in that collection is called 1922. This is directed by Zach Hilditch, who made a movie called Rattlesnake a couple years ago, and a movie called These Final Hours before that. I haven't seen
0: either. I've, saw it. I- I- I've watched Rattlesnake. How was that? Um, it's good. It's good. It's uh, like, like the movie we're about to talk about in 1922. It's very simple, simple setting.
2: So this is about the James family, a uh, husband, wife, and son. They live out in what they call the middle, which is like the cornfields of Nebraska. They own a farm. Uh, I, I guess it's really more the wife's land that she inherited from her father and they have this big farm and the wife wants to sell it all and move to Omaha and give their son some kind of culture and, and some kind of like a more of a communal upbringing and a more exposure to the world than they're getting out in the middle. Uh, of course, the husband Wilford does not want to sell and, and he decides that the best thing to do would be to just go ahead and not only kill his wife Molly, but have uh, their son assist him in the murder.
1: Sure.
2: Uh, at which point they'll say, "Spoiler alert." Well, I think that's in that's the an easy out. I th- spoiler alert. I think it's I think that's like in the description. That's that's not a spoiler. That's just like the setup of the movie. It's not about the killing of the wife. This inhabits a very specific kind of subgenre I feel like that Stephen King writes he he does like there's different things that Stephen King does he has A bunch of different kind of gears that he's in this is in that like green mile maybe the body which was made into stand by me maybe even gerald's game or or stuff like
0: that his his less horror things tend to be better adaptations
2: yes exactly or emotionally impact so so this is this does have some supernatural horror in it but it's not really a, a capital h horror movie it's really more of a a retelling of the telltale heart oh yes Good call. And, and kind 100%. of like a country-fried morality tale. Are we going back to 1822? I thought that this one was more than the sum of its parts. It's it looked pretty humble, but I really enjoyed watching this one. Uh, there's just something about it, and particularly Thomas Jane. Uh, I thought this was fun.
1: I thought this one was fine. I didn't like hate it. I didn't like dislike it completely. Um, it definitely had its go. major bummer moments. Um, but I think it was visually well done. I mean the cinematography was great. They did a great job with it. I just don't know if I loved the story that much because it was just like kind of like a bummer like right from the start. It maybe it was the wife murder, I don't know. The biggest bummer was the manipulation that happened between father to son
0: thank you he put that that.
1: little you know his that little
3: bug there's no other way cat there's no other way
1: this is the only way we have to literally slice your mother's throat and hope for the best no but he used you know he's like oh you're not gonna be able to see your little girlfriend anymore if you move to omaha it's just like you know he's this little thing and that makes it spiral out of control You know, then all of a sudden it's like a Bonnie and Clyde situation, which I thought was interesting. I guess I wasn't expecting that. Um, So that added like a little like action-y sequence to it. But I will say all I could think watching and hearing Tom Jane in this role was Ernest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i literally once i made that oh, connection no. in my brain oh i could the whole time i'm just picturing they should have just <laughs> yeah, me too. they should have just called this no, movie ernest sling-blading. kills his I wife
3: sling-blading on this shit. oh my god wow ernest is... kills
1: his wife ernest scared stupid too <laughs> <laughs> i can't <laughs> that's ernest the name of this film Ernest has a cornfield. Ernest goes to Nebraska. I don't know, but now
0: and now I look at him. I just—it's
1: sorry. It's just—it's the squint. It's like the weird talking out of the side mouth. It's the voice that's. I can see it now. It hits different.
0: It hits different. It's an interesting King adaptation. Um, Definitely, you know, Netflixed. Uh, But yeah, you guys have all touched on like a lot of the things, like the fact that the manipulation of the sun. Is really powerful. Uh, it's definitely too long again, like a lot of like you know, king adaptations of you know, a 30 to 90 page short story turned into like an hour and 40 something minute movie can be like a little much, but I thought this is like really well done. Until Cat just compared Thomas Jane <laughs> to Ernest. <laughs> sorry. I was prepared to say, like, this is one of his best performances in years. I think it is.
1: I'm not saying uh, it wasn't good,
0: but. I just wish you hadn't. I, I, I will never watch this movie again because oh, no. you just said that. I'm so He's sorry.
2: chewing the scenery the whole time, but I just oh, liked my, it. He's <laughs> great.
0: He's great. And I love that his character's name is Wilfred, and they just call him Wilf. I've never fucking known anyone in my life named Wilf. Uh, and he destroys this. And Thomas Jane is a Stephen King veteran. He was in The Mist. He right. was in Dreamcatcher.
3: Yeah. Um, dream he catcher. was
0: awful in Dreamcatcher. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was amazing in The Mist. Um, I thought all the acting was great. It's a small cast. It's, it, you know, it's a rare Stephen King adaptation or even in story where he has it outside of Maine. Like they're in the Midwest, they're in the cornfields. So that's like a cool thing. But I thought that Thomas Jane owned this movie and I, it's not a horror movie. You know, like Trent, you keep saying this week should have been called like the rats because we had Nosferatu where the rats come, you know, they come on the ship and bring the plague. And then this one, the rats are like part of Thomas Jane's descent into, you know, an absolute mental breakdown. And, you know, we've already kind of spoiled it, but like the movie starts with Thomas Jane's character, Wilf in a hotel room, just writing a confession to the fact that he killed his wife. He thought he was doing something horrible to make he and his son's life. Amazing. And it just everything devolved, mm-hmm. and like to Kat's to cat's point, like his relationship with his son and his manipulation with his son, like how that devolves into the Bonnie and Clyde situation, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, it's it's heartbreaking. Um, this is a really good. It's a slow burn. Uh, don't watch this if you're looking for like this isn't like a edge of your seat. Suspenseful, action-packed movie. No action, um, and and like we talked about with Nosferatu, and you talked about Trent, like and and Dave mentioned, like put your screen down, like you have to watch this purely for Thomas Jane's performance and the descent into madness. Mike Patton did the music. To oh this movie. right, I forgot about
2: that. Yes,
1: I mean I don't know. I guess one aspect I did like is you know Tom Jane had all these, uh, you know plans for how he was going to convince you know the the law that his wife had done run off and she she was not in the well like the cow and he's like oh well you only pack some clothes you don't you don't pack all blah 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 and i think my favorite quote from the movie was from him when he was like murder is sin murder is damnation but murder is also work so he's like Yes. Dude, he's the like, It takes a lot. I've watched a lot of Forensic Files, I know. It takes a lot of work to try to pull off a murder.
0: One of the most upsetting parts of the movie, to me, was the cow. The they poor did the, cow. They did the cow The cow, dirty. cow
3: gets it. The domestic
0: the cow gets it. gets it.
1: Poor cow. Also, I didn't really understand that part. He was just like, oh, if I just cover this dead body with a cow's body, they'll well, never because, know. Yeah,
2: because if the sheriff shows up you can't um, and you're like filling in your well He's going to ask well, what are you doing filling in the well so you got to have some sort of reason why you'd be filling in the well in this case they decide that um, they'll just like their cow fell down in the well so that's why they're filling
1: but it But couldn't you just say that your cow fell in so you filled in why would you have to actually kill your cow like that would the have to be a very choices, good
3: though, timed are Well, because what if they wanted King like
0: what if yeah. they wanted proof what if they went down there and dug
1: And but they would first get to the cow
0: yeah the sun even makes a comment of Did we have to kill her? Because the sheriff didn't even pay attention to it. Yeah, Yeah. so that was probably like like an extra moment. And he loved that cow. Like, I mean, but Trent, you mentioned Telltale Heart. Big time vibes here. The black cat, like like, this is King's version of a couple of his favorite Poe stories.
2: This is like the little King adaptation that could. It's very modest. It's very down-home, uh, it's a slow burn, it's moody, it's pretty introspective. Um, the scares are kind of creepy, more than horrifying. But I thought this was a really good watch. Uh, check it out on Netflix, and uh, I'm interested to go back and check out some other work by the director, Zach Hilditch.
0: 1922, man's pride was man's
1: land.
2: I've always been a Stephen King fan and uh, about four or so years ago I stumbled across um, the the book Full Dark No Stars and the first story and it was 1922 and completely blew me away. I just wanted to be true to the um, source material like what King already wrote was so cinematic that it was just my job to sort of um, make sure I didn't screw it up and uh, yeah he really left the story in a a really good way uh, for someone to adapt so um, yeah I just read it and thought it was cinema off the page so uh, off we went. You know, I'd already made an Australian film for These Final Hours, and that really helped open up some doors to me over here, and I was just lucky enough to do an adaptation. My first adaptation ever uh, was this material uh, of Stephen King's 1922, and Stephen King gave it his blessing, and once he did that, like, uh, everything sort of snowballed from there. In the end, we all get caught.